The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? Kind of muggy, kind of moist, but it's uh, summertime, and we're going to be talking about gardening for the next hour or so. I'm Horticulture's Fellow Rushing, and welcome to our garden party. Uh, Mississippi <clears throat> Public Broadcasting. I ain't got my coffee down yet. Uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting bring this party to us every year. Coming up today's end of uh, the springtime, really beginning of the first July weekend summer broadcast with the Gestalt Gardener. I'm going to give you a heads up on some stuff you can be doing in your southern garden. Uh, taking calls, it's a live program. We've got some really, really cheesy music that might surprise some of y'all. Hope it doesn't offend you. But anyway, most important, we're talking about gardening is live. We're going to give some phone numbers after we come back from news, and we'll talk about what's going on or not in your garden. Folks, for the next hour or so, we're going to get dirty. Be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Got my throat all clear now, ready to yak about gardening. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Those of you who are new to the program may not know this, but... I don't care what you do in your yard. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me if you want to have a meadow lawn or a perfect lawn or if you want to grow vegetables in your front yard or you want to have yard of the month. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me at all. If you want to talk about it, this is the place to come because I don't sell anything. I've got a job. I've got like 40 years of experience of just yakking about gardening. Now, I tell, you, I tell you this almost every week. I'm amazed and astonished at how much knowledge you have in that, in that gray head. And, you know, and, and I can go in any direction, too. You know, you, you, know, you want to you dress this way, you want to cut your hair this way, or cut your hair that way. I don't care. I'm here to cut hair. But I do got a question, though. You know, we had all the um, kind of bad weather yeah. and things, but I guess it was good for the plants because it was a lot of water, you know? Yeah, pretty good. You know, of course, a lot of people, they, you know, they plant summer stuff here, a lot of it, you know, we grow stuff from all over the world. And a lot of it's native here, like, like, uh, like corn, uh, from, and sunflowers from South America. We grow, uh, tomatoes and peppers from Africa. We grow, uh, 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 okra and black eyed peas. Depending on what part of the world these plants are from, some may not like it. You know, for example, a lot of our, Okra and pea type stuff, they really like it on the dry side. But same thing with cotton and uh, soybeans, things like that. But anyway, when it comes to gardening, you got to stick your elbows out. You got to bend your knees just a little bit, like you're ready to jump in any direction at any time. That's just where we have to go. Uh, we're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff, but I do have some special cheesy music coming up in just a little while. So, those of you who are, who are patriotic and also like a little history and some unusual uh, angles. Stay tuned with that. But whatever's going on in your garden, if you want to do this or that or whatever, I promise you I'll give you the advice that I would take myself or give my mother if she were still around, and I won't try to sell you anything. We're going to start out in Galvin, Mississippi with Barbara. Hey, Barbara, good morning. Good morning. Howdy. How are you? What's the, you jump, Are you the lady sent me the Jumping Jack Cactus picture? I'm the Jumping Jack Cactus lady. <laughs> and I, I didn't help you much. I sent you all these weird names. It could be this, could be that, could be something else. But uh, I think it's some, one of those uh, flowering cactus things. Well, I went on every site that you sent and oh, looked boy. at all of the cactus it'll, that are it, cacti. It'll blow your mind, too. It will. And I found out that they're supposed to have little dark purple blooms at the base. And if they bloom, that means they like you. But somebody out there has got to know another name for a jumping jack cactus. Well, you know, we, we come up with, with vernacular names. They're not common names. A friend of mine named Brent Heath, he said they're not common names. They're, they're precious local slang names for things. And they might call it that because if you plant it in a pot and have it near other pots, it's going to jump off in another pot. It'll you spread. You are exactly right. 
But uh, anyway, it, it it appears to me to be some type of not one of these evening blooming or flowering uh, tree type cacti. The, these kind of things typically grow uh, in subtropical and tropical trees and hang down sort of like Spanish moss or night blooming cereus, reason that cascades like that. So uh, I got a feeling it doesn't want to be kept wet. Okay, well, that was my question. I wanted to know if it likes to be crowded in the pot, if it likes to get totally dry, uh, and I can't find that information. Well, I grow a lot of different cacti and succulents. Anybody who's seen my yard know I'm kind of nutty about these kind of things, and I water mine at least once a month. Okay. (laughs) Don't let them stay dry, but the more important, don't keep them wet. Somewhere, you know, when they start to get pretty dry, give them a good soak. I'm just trying to, and uh, I would put it where it gets some sunshine, maybe morning or late, late afternoon sun, but really bright light, but not middle of the day sun. Okay. Well, I'll follow those directions. And if anybody knows another name, please let me know. Okay. And Barbara, if it blooms or whatever, send me another picture because I got people who identify these things more quickly from the flower than, than the stem. Because as you know now, a lot of them look a lot alike. <laughs> okay. It truly will. Thanks so much. Oh, appreciate your call. Thank you so okay, much. Bye-bye. I spent a lot of time uh, looking stuff up. If I don't know it, I don't mind learning something at all. Let's go to Laurel now. Hey, Nancy, good morning. How are you, Felder? I'm fine, fine. What's up? You got a catalpa tree or one or what? I have a couple of catalpa trees, and I don't think they bloomed this year. Did I miss them, or did they really not bloom? You know, I, I don't know. I, I love it when they bloom. They got great big uh, big, big leaves. It's a pretty tree. When they bloom, it's almost like orchids. Yeah, that little bitty flower, if you take one, it looks exactly like an orchid. Mm-hmm. I was up in New Jersey visiting my kids, and... Um, and and they had catalpa trees all over the place in full bloom, but I don't think mine bloomed. I did go out there, and I found this gorgeous, beautiful caterpillar. He had black velvet along his back. And the big and horn on his tail? Uh, little kind of greenish stripes down the side. I was so preoccupied with the black velvet stripe that I didn't notice the horn on his tail, but he was beautiful, and I couldn't kill him. Is he um, going to kill my trees or? No, no. Catalpa oh, right. yeah. c- c- trees are grown in in groves by people pruning them back like big bushes every year. And there's a huge moth. It's almost the size of your hand that lays eggs at night called the catalpa moth. Only lays uh-huh. eggs on the catalpa tree, and they hatch uh-huh. out in the catalpa worms. Which, uh, you know, back when I worked for the extension service, they were selling for like ten or fifteen cents a piece as catfish bait. A lot of people oh. grow. A lot of people grow the trees to sell catalpa worms for fish bait. Oh my! Well, I, I couldn't kill him. He was gorgeous. I, I I agree. Same thing with the tomato hornworm. I know they eat the tomatoes up, but they turn into such a pretty the moth. They are beautiful. Yes, yep. and the worm itself is gorgeous. Well, here here's the thing: the catalpa trees they may not have bloomed well this year because a lot of stuff didn't. A lot of my daffodils, which I, we've had in my family since the 1930s, a lot of them uh-huh. didn't bloom because we had a real weird winter. And that might have, yes, you know, that, that that affected quite a few plants. So, anyway, enjoy. I will. Thank you, Felder. Oh, Bye-bye. I want to ask this. Where'd you get yeah. your catalpa tree? Listen, when I moved into my house that I'm in now in Walls, I had a third of an acre that had nothing on it. And I didn't, the first week I was in there was early March, and I did not have a stove. I didn't have a washer. I didn't have a dryer. But you had a so catalpa tree. <laughs> No, I didn't have anything. I went up to Trees by Tuliatis and spent $2,000 on trees because I know what's important, and that's where I got my catalpa tree. You know, I, I miss that old guy, uh, Plato Tuliatis. Uh, uh, he he uh, uh, had one of the, matter of fact, one of the first ornamental grasses I ever bought back when I was probably 24 years old. I, I got it, but that place yeah. been closed a long time up in Memphis. Well, I got all kind of trees from him. I got... Um, I got river birch trees. I got Kentucky coffee trees. I got horn beans, several kinds of oaks, purple ash. He he was a nut. I, I loved. He used to go to Native Plant Society meeting. Anyway, um, it, you know you can root those from cuttings, and if you do, I bet some neighbors love that. The more people have catalpa trees, the more likely y'all gonna attract catalpa moths. Yay! All right, Nancy, appreciate it. Thank you, Felder. Bye bye. You bet. Bye. By the way, before we go any further, I want to give a shout out. Uh, I was driving down to uh, to South Mississippi this past weekend, went down to Waynesboro, and by the way, saw a garden in Waynesboro that has a bathtub, a gazing ball, and a flamingo. I want to give a shout-out to them. But uh, I took a tour through downtown Shibuta. If you've never been to downtown Shibuta, it's, a, it's another small town, cool cool little place, but I want to give a shout-out to whoever the yard folks are 
on the road going into downtown Shaboot on the north side. That was uh, having a lot of fun. Also, a shout-out to the folks at the Shed Barbecue down in Ocean Springs. I don't promote businesses, but I will say I am a shed head. Let's go to Oxford. Hey, Amanda, how are you? Good morning. I'm good. Howdy. Good morning. How are you today? Fine. What's up? Um, we have a river birch that's about 12 years old in our side yard, and this year I've noticed that on the ground underneath it, after it's had a heavy rain, there's something, it's slippery, it, it almost looks like algae. Uh, is it is it dark, dark, dark? Yes, and when it dries, it gets crunchy and it curls up. Hmm. Oh, uh, so it's a, I don't know. Don't know. Uh, is it is it pretty hard? I mean, there, it could be all sorts of stuff. Uh, is is it uh, is it bare ground underneath? It's not. It's just very sparse grass. Okay, but this growing on the dirt, right? Yes, it's okay. growing on that, the dirt. That's just gonna be some kind of algae. We have moss, we have fungi, we have algae, and the algae will grow. You know, if it's compacted, bare dirt, it stays moist. It grows almost like a pre-moss type thing and uh, it grows real slick right on the surface you can peel it up if you want to and then when it dries it cracks and flakes up like a, a sort of like dark dark green potato chips okay so uh, i don't need to be worried about it it's not no what, what he's not dying or oh no 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 this this is completely unrelated i will mention this though a river birch is as it get bigger uh it's gonna be hard to grow grass under there you can right. help a whole lot and make the garden look more interesting by lightly working up the ground and putting you a few little sprigs here and there of either mondo grass, the little monkey grass, or, okay. or, or lirio, and go ahead and get a few sprigs of that stuff started and then cover it with, with, uh, with mulch, with bark or something. And that okay. stuff will, will start growing there, and it'll look prettier. Um, and, then, you know, because otherwise it's, you're never going to grow really good grass under, a, under an old tree like that. But if you go ahead and okay. get you some bark mulch, lightly work the ground up first so it's not quite so, so slick and packed down, and cover it with bark, and just stick you a few little sprigs of mondo grass or, or lirio or liriope, whatever you want to call it. Okay, so I don't need to worry about because a lot of our roots are on top of the ground. They're on the ground. Yeah, they're on top of the ground, Amanda, because roots only grow where they can get both water and air. And if you have a really heavy, compacted, or wet soil, air doesn't penetrate, so roots stay up shallow where they can breathe. And right. uh, and you know this is normal, uh, you know, unless okay. you got really super super well drained soil like along the riverbank. But if you lightly work it up, put you some mulch out there, maybe ring it with some monkey grass, put you a little bunny rabbit statue, and you're going to be good to go. I guess she's gone. Oh, she said, "Okay, bye, Felicia. I'm out of here. Let's go to Starville. Hey, Coker. Good morning, Coker. Good morning. How are you doing?" So thank you for taking my call. Sure. My question, if you will, uh, several years ago I planted a Granny C. Gray Beard. I think the, the uh, nickname is Grant's Gray Beard. Yep, a Grandpa right Gray Beard or American Friends Tree. R- right. I planted it right outside my kitchen window. I'm kind of a bit of a cook, but it's gotten large, and I just wonder if you had any thoughts on trimming it back, when's the best time, and various things like that. Yeah, well, you know, they're not cons- they're not considered giant trees like oaks, but they're, they get to be pretty good size. Uh, you I know, do. big and uh, th- th- about all you can do, Coca, really, is just cut off the branches that are rubbing against your house or, or, or they're growing, you know, in other words, thin out the branches that you don't like and leave the ones you do. Uh, there's no way to really prune this tree like a bush because it's, it's, it's a real tree. So it's mostly just thinning stuff out. It's like if you got, if you're sick of having five fingers, you just want to leave three, just leave the three you like the best. I got you. Thank you very much. It's a beautiful uh, tree, and, you know, it just way it, it, it blooms out and everything, my neighbor's eyes. <laughs> well, one, one thing, uh, though, Coker, when you cut these branches, you can cut limbs all flushed with the trunk and or, or branches flushed with the limbs, but don't leave stubs. When you make it, cut as close as you can without making a great, great big cut. You know, just try not to leave a stub, just a little swollen, nubby area, and it'll heal over right. real quick. Right. Do I need to put something over the, uh, the injured part where I've cut? Or? Only if there's somebody else who will think better of you because you do it. This pure cosmetic, but sometimes it makes people think you're smarter if you use it. It's not necessary. <laughs> but if there's somebody else who likes to cook, look out the window, and every time they see that cut, they think poorly of you, paint a little smiley face on it. Great, great. Well, listen, I appreciate it. Thank you, and you have a blessed day. You bet. Appreciate it, Coker. 
All right, we're going to take a little quick break. Uh, we've got uh, in just a little bit coming back. Matter of fact, we might do the that first cheesy thing uh, when we come back for this break. Not the uh, not not the. We'll talk about it later. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, stumbling around as usual. I don't have any kind of training in communications. I'm just yakking about gardening. And if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. This is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We love what we do up here. We're glad you joined us for this party and all the parties we have Monday through Friday right here on MPB. We're going to take a real quick break, come back with some information about our national anthem that might surprise you. Again, Horticulture's Fellow Rushing here at Mississippi Pub- Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Okie doke, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. And uh, I like to play cheese music, and Java lets me do that uh, once a week Get the uh, Pick out a, a tune. I got one coming up in a few minutes, about 10 minutes that uh, that I think you'll like. But I wanted to play something. I've always heard this. I've always heard this, and I finally looked it up and Googled it, and I found it. Um, our national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, uh, lyrics come from uh, a guy named, everybody knows this, Francis Scott Key. Uh, he, he wrote the lyrics uh, during a battle. He's a 35-year-old lawyer, by the way. In 1814, he was watching the bombardment of Fort McHenry in Baltimore. War of 1812. Anyway, Key was inspired by the big old American flag, the Star Spangled Banner, flying above the fort during the American victory. Anyway, the poem was set to the tune of a popular British drinking song. It's written by John Stafford Smith for the Anacreonic Society. The Anacreonic Society um, was uh, a popular, it was a men's social club in London, uh, mid to late 1700s. They were dedicated to the ancient Greek poet. Anacreon. He was renowned for his drinking songs. Anyway, his members, by the way, he was mostly wealthy men of high social rank. They'd meet on Wednesday evenings, they'd get together and they sing and they drink. And um, so he came up with this poem about our flag and he put it to a popular a, a, a drinking song that was popular at the time. I thought I would play just a little bit of the original um, a plant called To Anacreon in Heaven or the Anacreonic Song To Anacreon in heaven, where he sat in full glee, a few sons of harmony sent a petition that he their inspirer and patron would be. When this answer arrived from that jolly old Grecian, Voice, fiddle, and flute, no longer be mute. I'll lend you my name and inspire you to boot. And besides, I'll instruct you like me to entwine the myrtle of Venus with Bacchus's vine. And besides, I'll instruct you like me to entwine the myrtle of Ye sons of Anacreon, then join hand in hand, preserve unanimity, friendship, and love. Tis yours to support what's so happily planned. You've the sanction of gods and the fiat of Jove. While thus we agree, our toast let it be. May our club flourish happy, united and free. And long may the sons of Anacreon entwine the myrtle of Venus with Bacchus's vine. <laughs> I told you it was a drinking song. <laughs> 
I don't drink to songs like that. <laughs> I, I don't either. And, and, and oddly enough, this this is a real popular uh, a club. Again, comes kind of an upper class thing. And apparently, they invited the Duchess of someplace to come to one of their meetings. She was so offended by their body singing, they had to clean up their songs. And it so offended a lot of members, they all quit and disbanded the club. <laughs> now I can get with that part of the story. Like we're not we're not changing our ways. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a real bye, Felicia. We're out of here. That that's a good one. <laughs> anyway, that was the original song to Anacreon, the tune that uh, Francis Scott Key uh, used for our Star Spangled Banner. We're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff, Garden. I just want to throw that out because it's real unusual. Let's go down to Bush, Louisiana. Hey, Ansley, good morning. Thank you for holding. Uh, Ansley, thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Uh, I have, a, I have a, a couple of questions, but... Mainly, I want to know what to do about uh, a couple of muscadine vines. Uh, we don't really need the jelly because we have so many figs and stuff. That So I wanted to know, first, is there a good way to juice muscadines, not for wine, but just to drink it as grape juice? Sure. Uh, also, is there a substitute that's better to eat, a southern grape or a muscadine that doesn't have the thick hulls and the seeds? Yeah, good good, good questions. Uh, first of all, whether you're making wine or jelly, you got to juice them first, you know. And uh, my family had the old rushing winery. They're the first winery in the state since Prohibition and actually made more profit from selling just muscadine juice in the same bottles. Um, anyway, as far as juicing them, if you've got some of the older varieties that got that thick skin, you really need one of these heavy duty, like an apple press. You got to press them and mash them because they have so much, not just a thick skin, but also that real thick, uh, uh, pulp to them. And, uh, and it's a real pain. We used to, to, uh, go out to a friend of mine's house, uh, uh, every year and pick his, his muscadines and, and press them. And uh, so you really need a press. You can try just mashing them, scraping them up, and then lightly simmering them. Don't boil them, but simmer them a little bit, and that'll kind of loosen up some of the jelly and get it, some of the juice will come out easier. But ain't no easy way, to be honest with you. Uh, but to answer your second question about that, there are a lot of different kinds of muscadines, including some with thin, crispy skin that you can actually eat. So, uh, you know, if you're growing them for juice or jelly or wine or whatever, we look for varieties that have a thin skin, not much pulp, and a lot of juice that ripen all at one time. There's one called Noble. There's one called um, Carlos. So there are some varieties that are recommended. The ones that are recommended for wine are really recommended for juice, whatever you want to do with the juice later. There's no other uh, uh, native vine that's going to produce as, as well, as heavily. Uh, as, or there's no really good grapes for the South better than Muscadine, though. Okay. Now, if, you're, if you're interested in some of those uh, juice kinds, shoot me an email because there's several really, really good ones that are easy to harvest and they're a whole lot easier to press. Well, I'm more interested in ones to eat. So are you saying that Noble and Carlos are good to eat? Well, they're good to eat, but one of the, you know, in those type, the, the real advantage is they ripen pretty much all at once. So, you know, you don't have to pick a few today and a few next week. And if you're trying to, if you're just munching some, you know, what I would do is plant three or four different varieties out there so you have a choice of them because they have different flavors. Some have a big old honker you got to spit out. Some you can chew them up and sw- some don't have seeds. So really, to, which, for fresh which, eating. Which, which ones for eating? I'm more interested in I, eating. There, which there, ones would have a, not a thick skin and you, not a lot of seed? You need to send me an email because there's so many, and I can't remember off the top of my head. So shoot me an email about that, and I can send you the names of some of the, some of the, the favorite ones that are readily available. So uh, anyway, so send me an email because I can't remember. Uh, I studied all that back in college and been growing muscadines since the 1970s. I can't remember stuff. Let's go up to Nesbitt now. Hey, Lynn, how are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. Felder, I want to ask you a question about tomatoes and cucumbers. Okay. The garden's doing pretty good, but I can't find any of the old variety tomatoes like Better Boy, um, Big Boy. All of them you find now are hybridized, and mine are ripening a little bit now. And uh-huh. Just don't have the taste of the old tomatoes. I don't know if it's my soil or or what, but these these new hybridized plants are just. I don't think they're performing. Yeah, well, of course, a lot of it, Lynn, has to do with attitude. You know, what one person likes this kind of tomato, another person likes that one. I went to a place up in uh, 
uh, up in Iowa called Seed Savers, and they had over 400 different kinds of tomatoes. And I walked up and down eating them, and, you know, the ones I liked, my daughter didn't like. But anyway, yeah. to, to answer your question, um, you know, in Nesbitt, and I, there may not be a good selection. If there's a garden center or a hardware, wherever you get your stuff, you might need to, to go to one of the plant sales next spring that they have up at the uh, – you're pretty close to Memphis. So right. you get up there to the botanical garden where the, uh, the master gardeners have their plant sale. Otherwise, you have to order some seeds. Okay. And, sure. and by the way, you can plant tomatoes in Nesbitt, Mississippi, the first weekend of August and still get a harvest before fall. So you know, if you want to uh, look around, you might be able to find some uh, at a garden center you know, and start you some seeds. Okay, great. Next question. My cucumber vines are beautiful. They're full of blooms. But do they need insects? to pollinate. I don't yes. Know. Yes, they do. They Just like squash, they're going to have separate male and female flowers. And the ones on the end of a little cucumber, that's a female flower. And ones on the end of a stem are male flowers. You've got to get pollen from the male to the female. And if you don't have a lot of bees, Lynn, you can hand pollinate them. You can break a male flower off with this, you know, stem and all, peel the petals off, use it like a little paintbrush, a mascara brush, and dab it inside one of the open female flowers, which is on the end of a, what looked like a little cucumber. Okay. All righty. I guess we did that one. Let's move on. Let's go down to Mobile now. Good morning, Mikey. How are you? Hey, good morning. What's up? I'm sorry, but I had to get the speaker thing off there because I wasn't sure if that wouldn't be messing up things on your end of stuff. Um, I got questions for some reason. Uh, but, well, I'm real happy because I just saw a little toad. First one I saw, I was looking for him the other day, and mm-hmm. it's up on my porch now. Um, but for some reason, uh, I've got a big pine tree that has just had, I mean, it, I've never seen it produce so many green cones. And, of course, the squirrels are on them. Yep. And, uh, so I'm I'm looking for a way to to do it as lazily or do, I prefer to do what efficiently do what use use the nod the squirrels have gnawed them down yeah and I've heard a lot about using bark in um, in potting soils and things like that um, my my three options that I've written down here are um, first of all. Um, I've got a bunch of nursery pots that I could, could you know, go ahead and, and shovel the stuff in. It's, it's kind of okay. In for, so, so the so the first one is use it for potting soil. What's your second one? Uh, the second ones two, two and three are basically, I guess, the same. Use it under an oak tree and very established oak as mulch. Or use it as pathways through Nandinas that I want to discourage. No, you can do do a little of all three if you got enough of them. Got tons of them. Okay, try a little of all three and let us know how it works. Okie doke. Great. All right, appreciate it, Mikey. See ya. Thank you. Oh, man, by the way, squirrels are eating everything. We found us this oddball thing in my neighborhood. It's a really gruesome, really, really gruesome. So if you got a weak stomach, we've been finding headless squirrels and a headless rabbit in our neighborhood. People are freaking out. Something's there's chupacabras out there, a Freddy Krueger's out there, some alien with a with a uh, a death ray is deep beheading on our squirrel. It's owls. Owls do that. Cats can do it, but uh, owls and and the uh, hawks they'll you know they they like that 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 juicy sweet part of the squirrel. I guess I don't know. Anyway, let's go to Braxton. Hey Mary, good morning. Good morning, Tony. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. You got a cactus question? No, I was was uh, going to say I think maybe I know the name of that cactus you were talking about. Okay, what 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 might it be? Uh, jumping choya. Jumping? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I know what you're talking about. Jumping choya. That is a good one. That's more of an upright thing. Hers is a little potted hanging plastic thing. But I, I, the jumping choya is a really, really cool plant. It will stick to you, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know about it. You can back into it, and you're going to wear it the rest of the day. You, you, can, you can walk past it, and you swear you haven't touched it but until you find out you, where you take your clothes off. Uh, it is it, amazing, but that that is a good thing. But jumping choya, I hadn't thought about that. They grow, you know, it, and they would probably grow outside if you have a dry area. But phew, they will yeah. really stick to you. Yeah. But anyway, I appreciate you calling about that, Mary. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All righty, now let's go up to uh, to Swan Lake. Well, J- John, where is Swan Lake? It's uh, south of Webb and north of Glendora. <laughs> okay, so you're over in Arkansas. No, no, it's uh, it's in it's in Mississippi, it's between Greenwood and Clark, about halfway. You know, I should know that because I'm I've flunked out of Moorhead. I'm from Sunflower County. 
Well, I, I grew up over there by your cousin Sam's winery. Okay. I, I was guy who grew the mushrooms over there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, last year, one of mine came in and put a boat landing. I live on the Tallahatchie River here in Tallahatchie County. And he put a boat landing in. And when he started pushing that dirt, I noticed it was the best sandy loam looking cotton ground you've ever seen. So I put here on the edge of the boat landing and made my garden. And I put the strawberry bed on the upper end, kind of. And they, for about the first two weeks in April, or May, first of May, they were producing good. And now I think the sun got up high enough and it was cutting off their light, so I moved them down the hill. Will they start producing again, you think, at the, where I moved them out into the sun? Or oh, it's, yeah, I don't know. if the, You're talking about strawberries, right? Yeah, yeah, strawberries. I don't know if they'll do anything this year because they mostly, you know, they bloom. Strawberries really need some cold weather to bloom right, so they'll probably right. be next spring before they're doing it. Meanwhile, they're going to run like crazy. You need to thin out those runners so you have a fewer bigger plants and a whole mass of stuff that's got the snails and the little snakes and stuff in it. I remember when Sam had those, he, put, you know, he tried to do some vegetables and he put some strawberries in. They made like crazy. Yeah. Didn't eat them all. You need, but strawberry, a lot of people don't realize this. Strawberries are what I call a two-year crop. If you know, When I was a kid, we had a strawberry patch, and I remember the strawberries. My mother said every one I ate had snail bites on it and everything, but you need to be able to, to really thin them out every couple of years to leave a few big plants and what some people do john is instead of growing them in a big patch you grow them in wide rows and uh the ones that you plant this year will have strawberries next year and then their runners will run out and make plants for the following year and what you can do is you can move the row back and forth every couple of years so the new stuff has new dirt and the old stuff gets turned under i've got plenty of strawberries, and i got some a couple of blueberry bushes about two feet tall and uh, I need to trim them this year to leave them uh, I, I would cut. I would snip the tips off the new growth. You know, the new growth is kind of a light bluish green color. I'd just snip the tips off of those, and I'd do it right, you know, right away, so that it's time for the new growth to come out. Maybe set buds before fall, but let's don't prune them much past about now. Right. Okay. All right. Okay, we're 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 cutting up here. I don't know what the problem is, uh, but let's go to Fair Hope. Alabama. Hey, Mary, what a pretty town you live in. How are you doing? I do, absolutely. I do fine. I just wondered if you had had a chance to come down here for that garden tour that the Botanical Garden sponsored about a month ago. You know, I've, I've lectured it. You know, they have garden shows there all the time, and yeah. I, ju- I just got a schedule to give a talk to the to the Herb Society this fall in, in, uh, in Mo- at the Botanic Garden. But, you know, they have these things on the weekend. I usually do a lot of traveling lecturing on the weekends. Yeah, this was a weekend, and it, it was when we were first just getting hot. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyhow, um, there is a very, remar- I think, a very remarkable garden that a gentleman named Vaughn Drinkard has installed in his family house, which mm-hmm. is like in Midtown. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I understood it, he said, if the gate's open, you can go in. Okay, well, we don't we don't need to talk too much about that on the radio because you never know what kind of weirdos might be gardeners who are listening. Well, that's probably true. And I, <laughs> I, I, I bet you could get the information from the Botanical Garden. Or, 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 really interested in or Mary, if you could send me an email about it because, I'm, I'm, you know, I go through, I'm in around Mobile a good bit. You know, all, you I will know. try uh, to send you an email. I'm having frustration with emails. <laughs> okay. Well, well <laughs> because email. I... I'd like to find. I'd like, you know, I was down. I gave a talk in Foley uh, back in the spring. That was a lot yeah. of fun. So I'm down there. The through thing a, about this that is wonderful is he has an English garden that's all white. It's hmm. all enclosed by a fence, so if hmm. you've got that gate closed, you can't go in. Yeah, but um, it's well, all white garden well, in front, and then he has a big Japanese garden behind it, and it's perfectly beautiful. You know, and I'm, I, if he's that creative, okay, if he's that creative, he's got a beautiful English garden. You know, I live in England part of the year. I've been to Japan. It'd be great if he also had a great mobile garden someplace. I'd like to see how somebody creative, you know, does a, a local-themed garden, too. But anyway, shoot me an email so I can uh, see if I can get down there and visit with him. Okay, I'll try. Okay, thank you, Mary. Appreciate it. You know, I'm... Uh, not, I like Japanese gardens. I like English gardens. I like, you know, uh, vegetable gardens. I like naturalistic gardens. I like, but, but you can't have a Japanese garden in Mobile. You can have a Japanese-style garden because we grow a whole lot of Japanese plants from Japan, like nandinas and monkey grass and camellias. Uh, but anyway, I'd like to see somebody do something really creative with a good old southern garden. Let's go to Savannah, Tennessee. Hey, Morgan Ann, how are you? Hey, how are you? So far, so good. What's up? 
Well, um, we moved to, we we retired to a home in Savannah, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. and for years, apparently, um, beta viruses were just mowed mowed over, you know, after they finished blooming every year Uh along the driveway, and we decided not to mow them, and then two years later, all of a sudden, this beautiful crepe myrtle started springing up, just (laughs) a little little bitty one, and then it's growing like crazy, and we looked down, and... The actual, you know, it's actually, I imagine it's, you know, five or six or seven or eight years old. Uh So I didn't know how to go about, it can't grow there because it'll grow over our neighbor's yard. It's right on the edge. We didn't know about transplanting it and and what what type of, um, how to do it and what type of, um, you know, safety and whatever. Now, Morgan, I've moved countless small trees and big shrubs in my life. I did that before I ever at a garden at a nursery before I ever went to college. I would have a hard time moving a crepe myrtle this four or five years old because their roots the yes, important sir. roots. If you stick your arm straight out and wiggle your fingers, that's where the important roots are and you'd only be moving the shoulder parts of it. Right, right. So if that's you want if thought. if you wanted to give it a try, dig the hole where you wanted to plant it uh, over the you know, take your time, don't hurt yourself over the summer. And let's try to dig it up this fall or a winter and move it. Uh, be a whole lot better for the tree, a whole lot easier on you. But you'll have to get a real sharp shovel and cut down through those big, thick roots and try to get a root ball that's maybe bushel basket size. But let's 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 do it in the winter time. Let's uh, mm-hmm. let's you know, it has better chance of surviving. And mm-hmm. uh, meanwhile, if it's got a bunch of trunks on it, thin them out to just two or three or four good ones because that's the tree you want to move. Oh, it's multiple trunks. Okay. Yeah, you know, three or four trunks is enough for a crepe myrtle. Then they'll branch in after that. But let's do that this year and start digging your hole and let's try to move it this fall. Okay, and it likes full sun or or they'll, they'll they'll bloom. I mean, they'll grow in the shade, but they do they'll bloom better in the sun. Okay, and the other thing is, we we could have let just be scaredy cats and let it grow there, but kind of. Trim it so it just kind of cascades maybe over our lawn instead of and trim off the stuff that's going on the drive because I didn't want to kill it totally. You're not going to kill it. What you do is you, you know uh, thin it out to, to three or four main stems, uh-huh. and then as they grow up, cut off the lower branches that come off of it. Don't leave any kind of stubs, and you know whatever you cut off, the energy that would have gone to that would go as left, and it'll actually grow pretty quickly. So if you'll just you know thin it out to the number of trunks, and as it grows. Only leave the branches growing upward and outward in the direction you want and cut off the ones you don't like, like plucking eyebrows. Okay, upward and outward. And the last thing is when you say trunks or stems, what exactly do you mean? Because there's kind of going horizontally a big kind of um, well, you that, know, trunk along, along the, the lawn because it was like, I guess yeah. that's the only way it could grow. Uh, you know, you, you, sooner or later it's going to grow stuff pointing upward. That's what okay. you want to leave. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll definitely try that. Thank you so very okay, much. Okay, more. Hey, thanks for. And if you have some more questions about that when you get ready to move it, give me a call back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And oh, how how big a hole? Because I know you always big big, big enough big enough to put it in and then some. Yes, sir. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thank you. See you. We, we will love your show. Well, thanks for being part of it, Morgan. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye bye. Okay, I do want to play a tune uh, for for. Uh, the upcoming holiday because of course we're not going to be here during the you know i'm going to be here next friday but i thought i'd play my favorite version of one of my favorite you know i was in the united states job i don't know if you knew this but i was in the united states navy band during vietnam what what did you play again because i know you, you told me before yeah mo- mostly brass mostly brass i play trombone whatever they want us you know we we, we swapped axes all the time you know because they can make us play but they couldn't make us play good oh wow so you can play <laughs> trombone trumpet a little, little everything okay. you know but anyway i played a lot of military marches and i love them to death but we've heard the Sousa version of this how about a little dixieland version
is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Hope you like that little Dixieland version. Maybe we want to get our friend's umbrella out and strut up and down the hall there. Uh, anyway, I hope you all have a safe 4th of July. It's always a, a fun place. I'm going to try to get out uh, to Pearl tonight. The, uh, the the Braves are playing. Uh, and it's fireworks night. <laughs> so I might get out to Pearl and see if we can blow out, blow some stuff up. Uh, before we get to these next calls, let me throw this out. I uh, got some interesting emails this week, but I think one, it may be the, I always look for the email of the year, or the, this is certainly the email of the month. Uh, I'm not going to say who it is, but a guy sent me a, three pictures. Java, I don't know if you look at these these emails, you know, because they forward them to me. But this guy sent three pictures of some kind of poop on his porch. Uh, I, I I thumb through the emails because I do get them, but I'm glad I didn't see that one. I'm glad I didn't see that one. <laughs> well, this guy, he, he leaves his porch light on all night long and attracts a lot of little insects, you know, moths and stuff like that. But every morning he finds these little, some kind of critter droppings on his porch. He sent me pictures of it saying, what could be leaving this? I'm thinking, mm, I don't know. That sounds like a, uh, something for creature comforts. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, thank you. We're going to punk them by, by forwarding this to them. But I think it might be gecko. You know, we have these these lizards that come out at night. They're called geckos, and they're in a big part of the state now. It's certainly the, the southern half of the state, Alabama, Louisiana. Geckos come out at night, and they eat anything. They can outrun a roach. Anyway, I'm suspecting that was, <laughs> that was gecko poop on his porch. <laughs> anyway, welcome to my life, folks. Uh, here's another, though. Uh, Jane Heidelberg wrote this. She said, if I plant a nut from a Stuart pecan tree, would I get a Stuart? If I plant a sly nut, which is a type of pecan, would I end up with one? She said most of the varieties in her yard, old trees, were grafted, and she wants to plant some new ones. And the, the answer is no. When you plant the seeds of trees that are cross-pollinated, they come up as a, what we call seedling variation. You know, so a, a Stuart pecan won't come up as a Stuart tree. Uh, and on top of that, I'm not trying to be negative here, but a pecan tree may take anywhere from 7 to 10 or 12 years from seed to get mature enough to start making pecans. That's reason it's better to go in and buy a small one that's got the variety you want, and uh, and it's got old wood, mature wood grafted onto it, so it can start producing a lot more quickly. So anyway, that was a good thing. And then the last one, I'm going to throw this out. Dave Nichols says that they were in the Texas Hill Country a couple of springs ago, and the blue bonnets were in full bloom. And by the way, I've been out there a lot of times. Blue bonnets are stunning, and Indian paintbrushes too. But he said, can we grow uh, Texas blue bonnets in Daphne, Alabama? And the answer is yes, but you got to plant them every fall from seed. They're overwintering annuals, sort of like stickers and clover and stuff you put out in your yard that bloom in the spring. The seeds sprout in the fall, the plants... Uh, hunker down through the wintertime, they bloom in the spring, set seed, and then die. And then uh, along most of the Gulf Coast, our soil is too acidic, and we get too much rainfall for blue bonnets, which are native to the alkaline, dry prairie lands of South Texas. It's really too wet for them, too acidic, so you have to plant the seeds uh, in flower borders or in open areas every fall so that they'll bloom, but they're probably not going to come back. Anyway, if you have questions like that, shoot me an email anytime, garden at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Oxford. Hey, Jackie, what's going on in Lafayette County? Good morning. How are you? Fine, thanks. What's up? Speaking of poop droppings, I've been walking around my my yard, my backyard at night. Yeah. I've noticed around the, uh, I have a lot of uh, concrete area around the pool. Uh Uh-huh. I noticed some droppings, so I started looking up, and I I can hear something that sounds like it's eating the leaves of the trees don't, around the pool. Uh, you don't have your mouth open when you're looking up, do you? <laughs> keep your glasses on. Keep your mouth <laughs> So my question is, since I have a yard full of shrubs and, and flowers and things, is I've noticed the, the leaves on the trees, the oak trees, there's just a skeleton left up there. Yeah. I mean, this is loud enough when my husband comes out. He goes, what is that sound? I said, there's something 
up in these trees that's yeah. eating. Do you have any idea what that might be? Should I yeah. and, uh, outside and, and, at night with my liquid seven? And oh, no, 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 no. Okay. For, first of all, it's most likely it could be the, 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 the larvae of a beetle. Beetles have little grub-like larvae also, or it could be a moth. But, you know, they're just they're, they're eating the green part of the leaves. They're not doing enough damage to really hurt the tree. I mean, even if you're right around right now, we're starting to see all these tent caterpillars. Some people call them webworms. And they don't do as much damage as people think they are. It's usually temporary, and it's rarely enough to really seriously hurt the tree. And spraying up in the tree, first of all, it's really hard to spray up there. I wouldn't, who wants to be spraying seven around your pool? Come on, Jackie. <laughs> anyway, okay, yeah, just just uh, live with a good bit of it. That's a big, big part of gardening is to is to just you know to, to, you know don't don't pay that much attention to stuff that's not bothering you for fifteen feet away. Yeah, I was hoping what I was talking about is uh, hoping that they don't move from the trees down into my roses and things in my yard. Most of the time, insects are are, are specific to certain kind of hosts. What affects trees usually doesn't affect shrubs and vice versa. Usually. That is good to know. Thank All you, right. Elder. Wear a hat. Don't look up with your mouth okay. open. Appreciate <laughs> it. Whew. What do I get started when I come up with these emails? Let's go. Okay. John, I don't. I can't tell you from your agla. Where, where are you from? John? John. Yes. Yeah. Where are you from? Mississippi. Yeah, but it says ag- agloma. Algoma. A-L-G-O-M-A. Where is that? That's south of Pontotoc, Mississippi. Okay, you're up in the hill country. Yes, sir. All righty, what can uh, I help you with? You, you just mentioned the seed savers, and I sent a sample. <clears throat> excuse me, I sampled them years ago. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I lost my my seed. It's my great 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 grandmother's seed. What kind of tree? Uh, what, uh, what kind of plant? It's a it's a running uh, like a snap bean. Oh yeah. And uh. And I called them, they sent me a sample back. And, uh, um, you know, the Seed Savers big organization. They're, they're great. And, and, and by the way, there's also a place in North Carolina called Southern Heirloom Seeds that specializes in southern plants, kind of stuff that our grandmamas used to grow. But it is a real good place. And their job isn't just to sell seeds. Their job is collect and preserve these kind of plants by getting more people to grow them. So the idea, John, is to pass some of the seeds along to some of your neighbors. Exactly, exactly. But I just want to pass it on. You mentioned seed savers, and they saved the day for me. All righty, man. If you still have some of the seeds, save some for some other folks. I will. Thanks, John. Appreciate your call. All right, thank you. Hal Goma, never been there. Let's go to Pearl. Hey, Skip, good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, fella. This is Skip Murphy here. Yeah, what's up? Uh, Look, real quick, I have a little, it's called an Ann. A-N-N, magnolia, a little bush-looking tree. Yeah. has a little red flower on it every once in a while. Never has done much, but right now it's got on the leaves, looks like a black fungus, and it even drips down. I've got some rocks below it, and it yeah. turned the rocks black. Yeah. And I'm just wondering what that might be. Well, I, I just made it. I do garden visits. I do, I do tree consultations. Stop by, you know, and for for beer money, basically, I stop by, look at people's <laughs> trees, and uh, well, and I, I no, 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 no. I've said I just saw this this past week on a lady's magnolia. This is called yeah. sooty mold, and you have insects that are that suck sap out of the leaves and the twigs, yeah. and their drippings have got dissolved sap, which has got plant sugar in it, and this mold grows on it. Just like if you were to put some drops of uh, a syrup on your kitchen counter within a week or so, it'd uh-huh. have black mold, too. So look on the trees, though, Skip, and see if you find these little small things about the size of the end of your little finger to wrap around the trunk. There's a type of scale insect. Looks like a... I've uh, seen them on the little limbs. It looks yeah. like they're just uh, infected look, with little uh, bumps all over. It look, looks like... that. That's right. This is the type of scale, and they're really bad on some magnolia. You can spray in the wintertime with a dormant oil to control them, but just go out and peel them off. You know, they don't have legs or bite or anything like that, but, okay. but, but pull them off. And you'll notice that a lot of that stuff is on last year's leaves and new leaves don't have it yet and so we want to keep that from happening okay all right all right skip good to hear from you thank you all righty i got we got time to work in this one tim's calling from gulfport hey tim how are you this morning uh got a bad case of the creeping crud oh boy oh boy well keep it to yourself hold you don't don't talk directly on the phone because we don't want to get it either yeah the lady that called about something nauseous on her oak leaves Uh uh-huh she could hear it yeah, that's going to be a walking stick. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they are so... I mean, if you think about a kindergartner's pencil with legs, yeah, that's a walking stick. They're large, they chew, they make noise, and they not only have fecal droppings coming out of the tree, but they lay their eggs by dropping them out of the tree as well. Oh, and you know, and They're a lot of... large. And they, they do the work at night. I'll tell you something else we see. it. You know the shrub called Akuba? Yep. They they put big notches in Akuba leaves, but they, you can only they're 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 related to crickets and grasshoppers and and roaches. Yeah, distantly. Yeah, they're they're that well. Well, the roaches are in their own family now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Bladidae, uh, I forgot the Bladidae. Yeah. Bacchioidae, yeah. But uh, yeah, the phasmids. There's a lot of different kinds. There's some some that are short and chunky looking like me. But uh, uh, the ones I'm thinking about up that far north are going to be those really beautiful long, long thin ones. They they look like sticks. Walking sticks, that, and, and you can certainly hear them chewing at night. You know, it's the kind of thing you just don't think about because, uh, you know, being down here, we usually see those short stubby ones. A lot of times the male's on the back yeah. of the females. But, you know, yeah, that's, 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 that's a great, great, great tip, Tim. Appreciate that. And they, you don't, right. they don't need to do anything about them, really. Oh, no, no. I actually love the things myself. And uh, uh, one of the curious things is their eggs are designed for ants to pick up and carry away. Okay, listen, we got the music coming on, Tim. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. I hope you get over your crud real quick. All right, see you later. All right, appreciate it, folks. Hope you enjoyed the Star Spangled Banner today, Dixieland version, and our uh, little uh, thing about the drinking song that to the Anacreonic Society. Uh, the Gestalt Garden is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer is a laid-back but hard-working Java Chapman, and our phone greeters today, Mr. Patrick P. and also Mr. Kevin Farrell. I'm your host, Felder Rushing, and I'm going to be thinking of you all as I get out and wrap up some stuff in the yard enjoy this beautiful, somewhat kind of coolish summer weekend. If you get a chance, the weekend is too precious let it slide. Take a kid to a farmer's market or a garden center and teach them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. 